0: Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. The following podcast is part 34 in the series Contending for the Faith. This is the morning service of Sunday the 31st of January 2010, entitled The Truth About Satan, part 4, and the Bible reading is taken from Isaiah chapter 14, verses 12 to 17. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. invite you to stand for the reading of God's word from Isaiah chapter 14, verses 12 through 17. Beginning in verse 12, how art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount to the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds, I will be like the Most High, yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. They that see thee shall narrowly look upon thee and consider thee, saying, Is this the man that made the earth to tremble, that did shake kingdoms, that made the world as a wilderness and destroyed the cities thereof? that open not the house of his prisoners. Father, we thank you again this morning. Lord, as we have already given thanks, that we can be found in your house again today. Father, for the privilege of being able to be here together as we've come to worship, to praise, to adore you. Lord, we pray that all that's taken place thus far has brought glory and honor to you, that it's been pleasing in your ears and in your sight. Father, now as we turn to this part of our worship, when we look into your word, Lord, pray that it would not be just the hearing of words, Lord, but these words might truly find a resting place in our hearts, that they might be used to have an effect upon our lives to change us each and every one today. For anyone that's lost, that they might come to be saved. For anyone that is walking afar off, that they might be drawn nearer to you. For every one of your children, that they might be equipped and strengthened and encouraged this day. That in some way we might all leave here more like our Savior, more like our Lord than when we entered. For it's in his name we pray. Amen and amen. As I struggle with breathing hopefully trying to uh, to speak in a way that's not too muffled for you to uh, uh, to understand me in our series on contending for the faith and particularly the fundamentals of that faith that we are to contend for this morning is part four the fundamental that we're looking at which concerns the truth about Satan. And of course, we've looked at a number of things thus far, but to summarize briefly, despite the fact that many, even in Christendom, do not recognize Satan as a real person, but as some mere evil influence, we have looked into God's Word and we've tried to ascertain not the myths, not the, uh, I guess, stories that have been passed down through the years, but the truth about Satan from God Himself and what He shows us and teaches us about this one. And we said at the beginning that it is fundamental to our faith. We need to understand and recognize who our enemy is. And, of course, the first thing that we looked at was we've used this passage here in Isaiah uh, chapter 14, is our main source, and from that we've gone to, of course, many other places in God's Word. We began by seeing that the Scriptures teach us the first truth about Him is that He is a person. He is a very real person. He was created as a person. He was created in absolute perfection, perfect in His appearance, perfect in His, in his actions. And of course, He became... Corrupt in his performance at his fall, when sin entered in. And of course, he is described after this fall in his corruptness as the most subtle, as a one that has access to both God and man, as the great accuser of the brethren, as the great tempter, as the father of sinners even as the originator of sin itself. But we saw not only that he is a person, but he is a person that is in a high position. We looked at his position, of course, before his fall. But then we saw in verse 12 that this one Lucifer had fallen from heaven, that he had been cut down to the ground. We saw that his position now is the prince of the power of the air, as prince of this world. And of course, remember that word prince, speaking of a ruler. In other words, he is a ruler. He is a ruler of this world system that you and I live in. He's not talking about being the ruler of creation. Creation is God's. But creation is under a curse at this time. And this one called Satan is a very real person. That is the prince of the power of the air and the prince of this world system that we live in. And the Bible also refers to him as the God of this world. Still depicting his ruling of this world system. Now this person that has this position that he does... We've also looked at his purpose, and of course we broke those down into two primary areas. One is defeating God, and the other is destroying the saints. Now, he wants to defeat God. He wants to, we saw even here that his first thinking was to, to be like God, to take God's position. And then we saw, second, that it was to destroy man. We looked at a number of those ways that he does that. Some of you have surely experienced a few of them. Temptation, deception, the blinding of the mind and the heart, the stealing away of the Word of God. And, of course, we see that, first of all, in the lost individual, he wants to do these things to keep him from becoming a child of God. He wants to destroy him for all of eternity. But if you're a Christian today, he's still a real person, and he's still ruling this world system that you and I live within, and he's still out to destroy you, though he cannot destroy you for eternity as he can the lost individual, he can certainly destroy your effectiveness and your testimony, and through that destroy those that you're in contact with around you. And he uses those same things, temptation deceptiveness, blinding. You know, Christians can be blinded too, not because they have to. The lost man has no choice. But many times, Christians by choice are blinded because they don't want to see or hear what God has to say. And you best believe that He will also try to steal away the Word of God from you in any way that He can. But as we move on today, I want us to notice something else about this one, this one that is a real person in a position of ruling this world system that we live within, and certainly with a purpose that is not for anyone's good except his own. But I want us to notice fourthly here today his power, his power. Notice he tells us first of all there in verse 12, and of course again in our passage here in Isaiah 14, remember that God is addressing Satan here through the Antichrist, which is Satan's instrument. God did the same thing when he addressed Satan in this manner, when he addressed Satan through the serpent in the Garden of Eden, because the serpent was Satan's instrument at that time. And he addressed Satan directly through the serpent. He also did the thing, same thing to good old Peter in the New Testament. We won't turn there and read, but in Matthew chapter 16, verses 22 and 23, it's when Jesus spoke to, speaking to Peter. But he said, get behind me, Satan. Get behind me. Speaking to Peter. but Speaking to Satan, because at that moment, Peter was, was the instrument of Satan that was being used against the Lord Jesus Christ. Here in this passage, we realize as we looked at those verses leading up to this, that yes, there is specific speaking here of the Antichrist that will come. But he's speaking to Satan through this person of the Antichrist. Notice that, first of all, his power in affecting places. He says here in verse... 12, how art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? Then he says, how art thou cut down to the ground which didst weaken the nations? We find that this is a question that's being asked specifically of one that had the power to actually weaken nations. Not just that, but look down at what he says in verse 16. They that see thee shall narrowly look upon thee and consider thee saved. They're looking at Satan now when he's brought down, finally, by the Lord Jesus Christ at his return. But they're looking back at this one and all that he's accomplished. First of all, in weakening the nations, is this the same one? He also says here in verse 16, is this the man that made the earth to tremble? Is this the one that was able to weaken nations and make the earth to, to tremble and that did shake kingdoms? The next verse, that made the world as a wilderness? and destroyed the cities thereof? We will look later at what his end will be. But here what we find is that those that are looking are finding it quite incredible that this one that they see, then at the hand of the Lord Jesus Christ, that he was the one that had such power, that he was able to weaken nations and make the earth to tremble and shake kingdoms and make the world as a wilderness and to destroy whole cities. You find that his power to affect places in this world system that you and I live in is very real. And people are able to look back at him one day and say, wow, how was he able to do this? But you know, His power goes beyond just mere places. But we find that His power is one that affects not only places, but people. Keep in mind, we've already pointed out His power in being able to use people just as He did the serpent, just as He did Peter, just as He will the Antichrist. We find that we could look at Many instances through Scripture, and we can find those instruments of Satan being used as he uses people to accomplish his bidding. Notice what he says here in the close of verse 17 that opened not the house of his prisoners. That opened not the house of his prisoners. It seems that if he had prisoners, there are those that he is holding captive. And that those that he's held captive as his prisoners, he's been able to hold securely. He wasn't about to let them go. Do you realize that Satan has never one time in all of history, in all of his existence, he's never voluntarily let one of his prisoners that he holds captive go free? And he won't make an exception with you. The only way that anyone has been free from the bondage that Satan holds them in, is through the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. Mark this down. Satan has the power to hold people in bondage and to securely hold them there with such force and such power there is absolutely nothing within their power that can ever, ever bring about their release. We are dealing with an enemy that is real, that is ruling this world system that you and I live in at this time, that his entire purpose is destruction. Though it is impossible, he still desires to destroy God himself and to take his place. And with everything that's within his power, he wants to destroy every human being that ever has been and ever will be. And he holds the power in his hands in this world system to literally affect places upon this earth like nobody else that has ever lived outside of God himself. And we find that he has the power to hold men captive in his prison as his prisoner and never, ever, ever release them of His own accord, nor never know anything that they can do of their accord to bring about that release. Now, remember, in our whole text of this series that we took from the book of Jude, you remember that little verse that we read there in verse 9 of Jude, which says, Yet Michael the archangel... When contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses, durst not bring against him a railing accusation, but said, The Lord rebuke thee. Michael, the archangel, we need to recognize Satan's power is such over people that he has power over angels from heaven. You see, Michael did not face Satan, even in his own strength, as an angel. He did not dare bring judgment against the devil himself, but rather left that to the Lord to rebuke him. If one whom we know to be a chief angel of God seeks the Lord's intervening power in dealing with Satan, what should that teach us? about dealing with Him. Even the angels don't have it within their own power. They must rely upon the Lord. Not only power over the angels from above, but power over the demons from below. There are many things that we could say about demons, but for our purpose we just want to see that Satan is the one that has the power over these demons. In Scripture, one of the terms that most certainly refers to demons is most often translated in our King James Bible as devils. We find that the Scripture clearly points to Satan's ruling power over these demons. Now, notice first of all in Matthew chapter 9, again where that Jesus is the one dealing with the demons, but man has an idea as to why or how that he's doing that. Notice in Matthew chapter nine, verse thirty-two to thirty-four, says, "As they went out, behold, they brought to him a dumb man possessed with a devil, a demon is speaking of, and when the devil was cast out by the Lord Jesus." The dumb spake, and the multitudes marveled, saying It was never seen it was never so seen in Israel. But the Pharisee said he casteth out devils through the prince of devils. The prince, the ruler of the devils, the ruler of the demons. Satan is referred to as their ruler. Now, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, both, or all three, record another time in which Jesus cast out a demon where again the Pharisees call Satan the prince of the devils. We find that Luke, in speaking of that same thing, uses the term chief of the devils in all cases. He's simply being referred to as the ruler of these devils. I think it's important to point out that these are places where Satan's rule over the demons is clear. It's also important to recognize that in the natural state, none of these people were able to release themselves from the power that was being held over them by the demons who were, in fact, being ruled by Satan himself. And that without the Lord Jesus Christ, there is absolutely no recourse, no power that an individual can have that can help him against these demons. You say, should that frighten us? Well, if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, yes, it should frighten you indeed. Because though that sometimes is made into a bunch of hocus-pocus, the truth is, scriptures bear out in many places that these devils, these demons, are able to possess human beings, and they do possess human beings, and that it's Satan himself that is the one that rules them. And notice In Matthew chapter 12, in Matthew chapter 12, notice what it says in verses 43 to 45. It says, when the unclean spirit, another word for the demons, when the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, what happens to that demon when he leaves a man? Well, it says he walketh through dry places, seeking rest, and findeth none. Then he saith, I will return into my house from whence I came out, and when he is come, he findeth it empty, swept, and garnished. Then goeth he, and taketh with himself seven other spirits, more wicked than himself, and they enter in and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. Even so shall it be also unto this wicked generation. I'm saying it's showing us clearly here man's inability without Jesus Christ. His complete inability to stop these demons, these devils that are ruled by Satan himself from moving in and taking over a body and taking up residence there. It's not in man's power. We find that though Satan rules over this demon world, we can take confidence though that for the believer that is in Christ that we have all the power necessary to to combat these forces. We don't need to fear the demonic world. Just as I've said, our purpose is not to fear Satan, but to know who he is, to respect the power that he holds, and to realize that he is our enemy, a formidable enemy that we need to stand against, that we need to fight against, that we need to do everything in our power to spoil what he's attempting to do. Now, we'll look at our protection in just a bit, but for now, remember this, Jesus gave special power and authority to his 12 apostles that he left here as the founding of the church. Now, I know there's confusion there sometimes, and I know there's some that like to bring that apostolic succession through and the gifts that were given to them, I believe as strongly as anyone in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And I believe that God can work through us and gift us to do anything that he needs to accomplish. But I also believe the Bible teaches us very clearly that these apostles were specifically gifted for the job that they had as the New Testament was still being written and given to us to, to prove their apostleship, to accomplish his work. And in Luke chapter 9 and verse 1, what I want you to see is even those apostles, those that walked closest to the Lord, that within themselves, they didn't have the power to take on these demons. But yet, with Christ, they did. Then He called the twelve disciples together and gave them power and authority over all devils, over all demons, and to cure diseases. Now, I know that I'm not an apostle and that you're not an apostle. But what I want you to recognize and see here is that the power that was needed for those apostles to overcome those demonic powers was a power that came through Jesus Christ. He specifically gave that to them. Look in the next chapter, in Luke chapter 10. And notice what he says here in verses 17 to 20. Now here is when Jesus is sending out the 70 two by two. And again we see in Luke chapter 10, beginning in verse 17, he says, And the 70 returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. He said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you, notwithstanding in this rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Now the thing is, he's making it very clear here, we're not to go around and, you know, if you're looking for, you know, there are those that take these verses and, Brother well, Chris, they, you know, they, they have serpent handling services right there and prove they can handle these serpents and not be hurt and things like that. And well, if that's the way they read it, that's between them and God, because that's not what I see there. That we find Jesus Christ Himself, when dealing with Satan, was told not to tempt the Lord God. I believe that he's making it very clear here that when we are doing the Lord's business, we don't need to fear. Satan and his darker side in those powers. We don't need to fear those things that come against us. That doesn't mean that we should be foolhardy and foolish and put ourselves into danger and tip God by jumping off the, the, uh, uh, the pinnacle. But the truth is, he says here, you know, don't get all excited because that you don't have to worry about these things coming against you because you have you, what you need to get excited about is that your name is written in heaven, that you're a child of God. If we're excited about being a child of God and going about His business, we need not fear. Whatever that the devil might want to bring against us, we need not fear it. We can go about the Lord's business and have absolute confidence in knowing that He's there and He's able to protect us and He's able to bring us through whatever that the enemy might bring against us. Recognize the power of our enemy. Recognize that Satan holds the power over the demon world. Now, we realize that as we look at this power and we see that it includes the angels from above and the, the power over the demons from below, we also need to recognize that Satan has power over the unsaved people. He has power over the unsaved. We've already seen the power that can be demonstrated over these unregenerate men by the demon world. But more specifically, we see that Satan himself has powers over the unsaved. Notice, first of all, in Acts chapter 26, notice what it says here. In verses 14 to 18, he says, And when we were all fallen to the earth, the Apostle Paul's testimony, by the way, I heard a voice speaking unto me and saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And I said, Who art thou, Lord? He said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. But rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness both of these things which thou hast seen, and of those things in which I will appear unto thee, delivering thee from the people, And from the Gentiles unto whom now I send thee. Notice verse 18. Why is he sending them to those people? To open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light. And from the power of Satan unto God. That they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. The unsaved in the darkness under the power of Satan. God is sending the Apostle Paul just as he sends you and I today, that through his power they might be given the means that they could be taken from darkness into light, that they could be removed from the power of Satan which they are under, under the power of God, which the Lord Jesus Christ alone can bring to them. The unsaved are under the power of Satan. Notice again in 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5, and notice what he says in verses 18 to 20. He says, We know that whosoever is born of God sinneth not, listen, but he that is begotten of God keepeth himself, and that wicked one toucheth him not. Now the only way that this keeping is coming about is through the Lord Jesus Christ. The only way that Satan is not able to touch Him is through the Lord Jesus Christ. And we know that we are of God, and the whole world lieth in wickedness. And we know that the Son of God has come and hath given us an understanding that we may know Him that is true, and we are in Him that is true, even in His Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. We need to be begotten of God, in order for the wicked one not to touch us. And furthermore, it's only through Christ and His coming to us that we can be taken from under Satan's power and given understanding that we might be able to know what the truth is. Keep in mind that we looked at when we saw the purpose of Satan in destroying man. All the ways that he could attempt to go about that, we find that the Bible is clear in speaking of that bondage in which the lost man is held, his hopelessness in breaking free from that bondage under his own power that opened not the house of his prisoners. The lost man is under his power, but you know what? Satan also has power over the saved. Now, don't let me lose you there. Don't let me scare you. But first of all, we need to recognize that whatever power Satan does have over anyone that is truly a born-again child of God, first of all, it is a limited power. It's not the same power that he has over the unsaved. It is a limited power. We've already looked some degree at this when we Looked at Satan as being a real person in his personal attack on Job himself. Back in the book of Job, chapter 1, we find that conversation that took place. He says, beginning in verse 8, And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job? That there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and an upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil. Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Doth Job fear God for naught? Hast not thou made a hedge about him and about his house and about all that he hath on every side? At this time Satan said, hey, yeah, I haven't been able to get to him because you're protecting him. Satan could not get to him as long as God's hedge was in place. Thou hast blessed the work of his hands, and his substance is increased in the land. But put forth thine hand now, and touch all that he hath, and he will curse thee to thy face. The Lord said unto Satan, Behold, all that he hath is in thy power. This was God's man. All that he hath is in all that he owned, everything that Job possessed, only upon himself put not forth thine hand. He gave it power over everything that he possessed, but not over Job himself. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord. Look at the next chapter. Chapter 2 begins, And there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them to present himself before the Lord. And the Lord said unto Satan, From whence comest thou? Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth and from walking up and down in it. The Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and an upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil? And still he holdeth fast his integrity, although thou movest me against him to destroy him, without cause. He's still, he's still faithful. He's still a godly man, even though we've taken all that he had. Satan answered the Lord and said, Skin for skin, yea, and all that a man hath will he give for his life. But put forth thine hand now, and touch his bone and his flesh, and he will curse thee to thy face. The Lord said unto Satan, Behold, now it's not just what he possesses. He is in thine hand to save his life. Putting Job in your hand, but you can't take his life. So went Satan forth from the presence of the Lord and smote Job with sore boils from the sole of his foot unto his crown. And he took him a potsherd to scrape himself withal, and he sat down among the ashes, you need to keep in mind a couple of things. The power. Oh, Satan was given power over Job, over a child of God. But only, to start with, he couldn't even get to Job's possessions until God allowed him the power to do that. And even then, he couldn't get to Job as a person until God gave him the power to do that. And even then, he was limited as to how far that he could go. Satan can never go farther than God will allow, and God will only allow what we need and what will bring glory and honor to Him. It's not what we think that we need or what we think that we deserve and what we think is fair and what we think is unfair. Yes, I know people that have gotten frustrated and they they point at God and they blame God for this and they say, I don't deserve this and I don't deserve that. The truth is, none of us deserve anything good. But the reality is, our sight is so short. Do we trust God or don't we? We best recognize the power that our enemy has over places and people. But we need to have confidence in trusting our God and knowing that His power is limited by God and what God will allow. Do we really believe that God knows what's best for you or does God need your advice for you to explain to Him what you really need in your life? Or, what you don't really need sometimes is probably what we really want to tell him. (laughs) Again, it's Satan's purpose. He wanted to destroy Job, (laughs) he wanted to prove that he could turn him away from God. And he wants to destroy you. If he can't get to you, just like he couldn't get to Job's godliness, he'll want to get to your effectiveness, he'll want to destroy as many people around you as he can. God has given us everything that we need to fight this enemy, to protect ourselves from him. But many believers just don't heed the warnings. And they find themselves unprepared. They find themselves unprotected against the enemy when he comes. You know, when we started this sort of the spirit conference, how many years ago it was now, six years, seven years, whenever it was, be interesting to look back, I don't remember. But it was started with a real purpose in mind and heart. And that hasn't changed for us as a church and for those that we want to minister to during that time. That purpose is found in Ephesians chapter 6, beginning in verse 10 when it says, Finally, my brethren, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, of Satan, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints and for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. That we can fight the enemy, that we can take our stand, and that we can boldly speak forth the truth of the gospel, that other people's lives around us can be changed in the positive way. Satan wants to destroy that. He wants to stop that any way that he can. God knows what we need. And Satan can never do anything That's not God's will. Yes, God's will. Although Satan's access to you can be brought about as a result of your sin, sin that is not being dealt with personally by ourselves as it should, but nonetheless it will be dealt with. Sin will always be dealt with even if it means... In the end, giving one over to Satan. In 1 Corinthians, you know, with Job, when he was given over to Satan, there was a limitation put. I'm putting him in your hands, but you can't have his life. Christian, Satan can even have power over your life if God deems it best for you and for His glory. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 1 to 5. It says, It is reported commonly that there is fornication among you, and such fornication as is not so much as named among the Gentiles that one should have his father's wife. And ye are puffed up, and have not rather mourned, that he that hath done this deed might be taken away from among you. For I verily, as absent in body, but present in spirit, have judged already as though I were present concerning him that hath so done this deed, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you are gathered together, and my spirit with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, to deliver such an one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Now there's many things to learn from this passage. First of all, in the church, one that was supposed to be a a child of God and clearly was a child of God from what we read, but had gotten themselves involved in the sin of fornication. The individual was not doing anything about it, and the church did nothing about it, and so therefore this one just continued in that sin. But the Bible says here that it's that individual (laughs) Is making so light of such a horrible sin. And folks, the sin could be anything. It's not just, but the sin of fornication, sin outside of rightful marriage. is one of the most hideous sins that the Bible teaches about because it goes totally contrary to even our spiritual marriage with the Lord Jesus Christ. He says if we're taking that so lightly and the church just sitting back and doing nothing about it, this one's going to be turned over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. Rather than holding back his hands, he said, okay, you want to destroy him, Satan? Their flesh is yours so that the soul can be saved the day of the Lord. The spirit might be saved when the Lord Jesus Christ comes back. You see, if you're truly saved, of course the danger is sometimes if a person can begin to take sin so lightly is the Holy Spirit present in the first place. But if a Christian does take sin so lightly, if they really are saved, I'm saying if they're not willing to do something about it. You know, this is why I, I, I say that I have a fear myself of people that can claim to be Christians, and yet the life that they live doesn't bear that fruit. It shows something totally different. i saying there's danger. I thank God. I'm no man's judge. But Satan has the power. Oh, yes, He has power over the angels. He has power over the demons. He has power over the unsaved. But He has power over the saved when God allows it. And God will sometimes do that. Now, the truth is that as we keep these things in mind, I really wanted to bring this to a finish this morning, but I think I'm going to... Leave it there because I really, I really want us to understand these last two points, though they be shorter points. You see, we've seen Satan's person, his position. We've seen his his power that he holds, and that power that he uh, that he that he has over over individuals. But I want us to recognize and realize that in. In all of this, that he has a providence. The story is already written. We know how it's going to end for this one called Satan. But we also have the protection, all the protection that we need. Now, I won't get into all that, but I want to say to you here this morning that it's very, very simple and easy to understand, even from what we have already seen this thus far. Satan, a real person that is the ruler of this world system that you and I live in, with a distinct purpose to bring about your destruction, with the power that we see that he holds today. The one thing I do want you to realize and understand this morning, as we've seen from these passages is that outside of the Lord Jesus Christ, there is no protection. Folks, that's not to be scary. That's to be honest and truthful. Without Christ, you have no power over this enemy that wants to destroy you. You have nothing to protect yourself. You have no way in the world to fight against him except Jesus Christ. You need him today. You need to be under the blood. You need to know that you're protected. Because as Christians, we need not fear Him. We best understand Him, and we best be willing to fight Him in the way that the Lord gives us to. But our security is in Jesus Christ. (laughs) He can't get through that, thank God. Do you know that today? Do you know without any shadow of a doubt... I don't care how long you've heard the story. I don't care how long you've known it. I want you to answer one simple, honest question this morning. You know without a shadow of a doubt that your faith and trust is totally and completely in Jesus Christ. You sought forgiveness the only place that it could come from. That's through the mercy. The mercy alone that God has for you, that by His grace, He will forgive you. He will take away that penalty of sin from your life. He will protect you and hold you as his for all of eternity. You need to know that. Nobody else can do that for you. And if you're here as a Christian today, has the enemy been getting the best of you? Has he been getting through in areas that he really shouldn't? See, He doesn't have to. We allow him to. The hedge is there. The protection is there. The barrier is there. The only time God is going to allow it is when it's for our benefit. Have we allowed things in our lives that ought not to have be been that we dealt with? Ourselves. "You See, we don't always understand. Job hadn't done anything wrong. What did God accomplish in his life? Well, so we could look at a lot of things, but I'll tell you this. There's probably no other passage And all of the word of God that has brought that glimmer of hope to more of God's people that have been through the deepest and darkest valleys than to be reminded of what Job went through and how he came through it and that God was in control. God used him for his glory in a mighty way. But then as we see in Corinthians, sometimes things can be brought upon self It's still for our our good because God wants the ultimate good in our lives and His glory today. My invitation to you is if you don't know Jesus Christ, you can know Him today. And if you're unsure, then please, why don't you come? Let us take God's Word. Let us answer whatever questions. Let's, Let's talk about the barriers. We're not going to try to talk you into or coerce you into something that you don't want to do. We just want to point you to Jesus. Christian, if you are struggling, if you have been struggling, will you do like the one in Corinth? Will you just brush it aside, pretend that it's not important? Pretend that it doesn't really matter? Or is there something you need to deal with today? Something that you need to put under the blood, that you need to get out of the way, that you can have the protection of God upon your life, knowing, knowing that your mind and your heart that all is clear. Father, we thank you today for each individual that is here. Lord, we could go on and on, but the truth is, Lord, you know the hearts. You know if there are those that need to be saved. You know if there are Christians that, Lord, have got things in their life that they need to deal with, that they've given a place to Satan. and Lord, that needs to be dealt with right now, today, in their lives, before he gets a greater foothold, before the consequences are far more than what they would uh, want them to be. Father, you know every Christian here today. We know that we all have our imperfections. You know the battles that each one will be facing today. Maybe, Lord, you just need to strengthen and encourage. Maybe someone just needs to Lord, to pray out to you and ask you to be there, to be their strength. Be reminded that you are the one that's in control, that they have nothing to fear, this enemy, but that we need to stand up and fight against him boldly. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.